The Yucca Valley Plugged In Podcast brings you up to date on the town of Yucca Valley's current issues, projects, and events. Your local government wants you to be informed about the progress we are making as a community, and we invite you to be involved. Visit the town website at www.yucca-valley.org to register your questions, comments, and suggestions. Produced and presented by Town Hall, the bi-weekly podcast provides a snapshot of the top issues of the day. Get plugged in with Mayor Jim Schooler to stay up to date on all things Yucca Valley. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Yucca Valley Plugged In. Our mission is to give you a quick update about the happenings at Town Hall with the Town Council and other commissions, the status of important community projects, and other topics of interest to our residents and visitors. I am Jim Schooler, member of the Yucca Valley Town Council and currently the mayor of Yucca Valley. We will be talking with our special guest, Wanda Statham, about this year's Grubstake Day celebration in just a bit. But first, we have some town updates for you. Let's take a look at the recent town council meetings. This is the time of year when preparation of the town budget is on everyone's mind at Town Hall. Town staff presented a draft two-year spending plan for the town council's review. The town periodically conducts a survey to make sure the spending plan is lined up with the priorities of our residents. The results of a recently completed survey indicate that the highest priorities are fixing streets and potholes, traffic management, maintaining fire protection services, additional police officers and neighborhood patrols, preventing violent crime, and providing important quality of life programs. The upcoming general fund budget addresses these priorities under the broader categories of public safety, infrastructure, and quality of life. While revenues have been trending higher due to increases in taxable sales and tourism-related income, operating costs continue to rise as inflation impacts many of the basic supplies and services provided by the town. The initial budget looks pretty solid, but it will be fine-tuned as we work toward finalizing the plan for adoption in mid-May. I would also point out that this budget includes using funds resulting from short-term vacation rentals to meet our goal of increasing compliance among short-term vacation rental owners and operators. Looking ahead, the Council will be looking at developing a plan for beautification, finalizing the trash and recycling schedule for next year with no increase in trash collection rates for residential customers, and a number of other items. We will also be looking at the draft budget for the Town's other budget category, Special Revenue Fund. Unlike the general fund dollars, the special revenue funds are typically received from various sources outside of town. As such, these funds may only be used for specific purposes, mostly infrastructure like streets and roads. These funds from outside sources are critical to the town's ability to accomplish its annual street maintenance program. Another example of special revenue funding is the state grant that will be used to complete the construction of new sidewalk on Onaga Trail near Yucca Valley High School and also on Little League Drive to provide safer routes to the Brem Park Sports Complex. The cost of these two sidewalk projects is just over $2 million. The council also expects to receive an update about community beautification, ideas and alternatives that enable us to put our best foot forward for residents and visitors alike. We are committed to working with local residents and visitors to take practical steps to give our community a welcoming appearance. Town staff will outline the aspects of this program at the May 3rd Town Council meeting. 
The Planning Commission meets on the second and fourth Tuesdays of each month. The Commission advises the Town Council and Community Development Department on matters relating to land use and development. As we grow, we want to ensure that the unique characteristics of our high desert community are respected and that development is implemented according to the Town's general plan, which is the blueprint for development. The Planning Commission will be holding a special meeting on Monday, May 9th at 6 p.m. to conduct a final review of all Western Joshua Tree permit applications. Over the past year, the Town has been granted limited authority to issue a take permit to local property owners if moving a Joshua tree became necessary for a project such as building a garage, installing a pool, or constructing a single-family residence. The town's authority to issue these types of permits will expire at midnight on May 9th due to the terms of the state's consideration of the western Joshua tree as an endangered species. This has been a hot topic in Yucca Valley this past year. Town staff has been in regular communication with affected residents and agencies to keep up with all sides of the issue. I asked Town Manager Curtis Yakimo for a quick update on the Western Joshua Tree issue. Hey Mayor, thanks for the invitation to chat with you. So let's update on one of our favorite recent topics, the Western Joshua Tree. <laughs> you know, it seems like we've been discussing this topic for, well, last two years. As you know, Yucca Valley has a blessing and challenge of having the highest density of Western Joshua Trees of the state's 482 incorporated cities, if you can believe that. Well, it's pretty easy to believe, actually, if you just drive around or look out the window today and you'll see that. So, you know, while our community is endeared to the iconic trees, we're also challenged in accommodating any level of development activity due to the number of trees on practically every parcel within town limits. So, as you can imagine, we're wholly vested in this issue. Okay, can you give us a quick background on how we got to where we are at today? Yeah, sure, I'd be glad to do that. So the commission received a petition from the Center for Biological Diversity, it's an environmental interest group, to list the Western Joshua tree as a threatened species pursuant to the California Endangered Species Act. And that was done back in October 21 of 2019. So yes, we indeed have been talking about the Joshua tree for over two years now. By law, that action then required a scientific status review and analysis of the petition by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife to be completed during what's called a study period. Importantly, though, during the study period, the Western Joshua Tree automatically receives full protection as if it were already an endangered species. And we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. Before you go on, what's the difference between the Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Fish and Game Commission? Good question, Mayor. There are often confusions about the distinction between the Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Fish and Game Commission. In the most basic terms, the Department of Fish and Wildlife is charged with implementing and enforcing regulations set by the Fish and Game Commission, as well as providing biological data and expertise to inform the commission's decision-making process. So, similar to the town, the commission would be like the town council and the Department of Fish and Wildlife would be like town staff that implements decisions that are made. So let's go back and think about this. So now this one-year review period has been completed and that update was provided to the commission last week. That status review represents the department's final written review of the status of the Western Joshua Tree, and it is importantly based on the best scientific information available to the department. So if you looked at their agenda, that department report was over 780 uh, pages. We're not going to talk about that in detail, but I do want to just give a summary of what that one-year study report said. And I'm just going to give a summary that they provided. It said the department recognizes that there will be a substantial reduction in areas 
areas with suitable climate conditions for the western Joshua tree in the foreseeable future. This reduction in combination with other threats is expected to have a negative effect on abundance of western Joshua trees and is cause for substantial concern. Nevertheless, western Joshua tree is currently abundant and widespread, which lessens the overall impact of these threats and lowers the threat of extinction within the foreseeable future. While the department acknowledges the significant threat the western Joshua tree faces, the department ultimately concluded that the best available scientific evidence does not sufficiently demonstrate that populations of the species are negatively trending in a way that would show that the species is likely to be in serious danger of becoming extinct throughout all of its range due to any number of causes, including loss of habitat or change in habitat, competition or disease in the foreseeable future. And this is important. In the absence of special protection and management efforts required by the California Endangered Species Act. So all of that to say that the science right now does not seem to indicate from the Department of Fish and Wildlife's perspective that the tree warrants listing as an endangered species. So what happens next? Well, the commission is scheduled to meet on June 15th and 16th to discuss this item in detail. And at part of that, as part of that meeting, the department or the commission will discuss the department's recommendation not to list the tree as endangered. And then they can take any number of actions so they can accept the recommendation not to list. Uh, they can overrule and decide to list the tree as an endangered species, or they can maybe ask for more information or continue the item to future meetings. We know this is a pretty complex issue, but what does it mean to the town of Yucca Valley? Well, as you stated earlier, since the tree received full protection during the study period, the town was able to receive special authority to continue minor projects within the town through, as you called it, the 2084 permit process. That permit process was approved by the Fish and Game Commission in 2021, and the town was able to transparently and effectively permit minor development activity. And that included our state grant-funded public works projects, minor infill development needed to meet our housing goals, and uh, as many residents know, the state-mandated septic system connections that were required to be done. Uh, and as you correctly stated, on May 9th, the town's 2084 permit authority expires, at which time the town implementing ordinance and our standards are no longer effective. So this uncertainty is going to be a significant challenge for our community mayor for any level of development until such time as the commission acts with certainty on the department's recommendation. So while we'll be in a little window here between May 9th and June 15th on not knowing exactly what standards are in place, we do know that we have an obligation to continue to advocate and help our residents. And so we're going to continue to work with the department try and identify a path forward to help residents be able to move forward. And then finally, uh, the town obviously is going to participate in that June meeting on the department's recommendation. At that time, we anticipate sharing with the commission how the town would navigate a path forward that would be similar to what we've done in the past year. And then getting input from residents, from various stakeholders, including the Department of Fish and Wildlife, Environmental Interests, and others, uh, you know, we're confident that we're going to be able to come up with the development of a regulatory process that will continue to recognize the value of the Joshua Tree while still providing a path forward for reasonable and essential development within the town's incorporated limits. So that's where we're at today, Mayor, and we'll keep the community updated as this process moves forward. Well, thank you, Curtis, and thanks so much for all your work to uh, keep on top of this issue for our community. We are very proud of our Youth Commission. 
If you don't know about it yet, the Youth Commission was established in 1995 as a forum for communication between the elected officials and the young people of our community. Each year, the town council appoints junior high and high school students to the commission, and each year, the commissioners seem to find more creative and effective ways to get involved and improve their community. Under the guidance of town staff, they have produced intergenerational programs, presented forums at local schools, and volunteered at a variety of community events and parades. On May 7th, the Youth Commission will be hosting a teen parking lot party. To be held in conjunction with the town's health fair, the teen parking lot party will feature games, a giant obstacle course, food, treats, and more. So tell your friends, your kids, your grandkids, and their friends to check out this event Saturday, May 7th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Yucca Valley Community Center. And stay in touch with the town's Facebook page for updates and reminders. All right, this is the time that we get to take a deep dive into one of the town's construction projects. This week, we will take a look at what we are doing to create the new North Park Trail Access. Long before the town incorporated, the Bureau of Land Management granted authority to the Yucca Valley Parks and Recreation District to manage an 80-acre open space parcel at the west end of town. The land is referred to as North Park and is on the hillside northwest of Hawks Landing Golf Course. The management authority transferred to the town when the Parks District was absorbed shortly after incorporation. Many residents aren't aware of North Park, but it is a wonderful area to walk, hike, and take in the spectacular views of Yucca Valley. Access to the park has always been somewhat problematic, so the town purchased property that would provide parking and convenient access to the trailhead. Construction is currently underway. When complete, there will be an access road off of Fairway Drive, a small accessible parking lot with restrooms, and the trailhead. The project is designed to be expandable in future years, depending on use and need. Funded by a Community Development Block Grant and Measure Y, both special revenue funds, the facility is expected to be open for public use sometime this summer. Next episode, we will take a look at the Essex Park Rehabilitation Project. While the public works projects run by the town are great additions to our community, it is maybe even more exciting to track the private investment going on in Yucca Valley. When entrepreneurs and businesses make the decision to invest in a town, it is a sign of confidence that the investment will benefit residents and visitors and will pay off in the long run. We often hear from our residents about the need for certain businesses in Yucca Valley, but at the end of the day, those businesses will come to town only if they are confident that they will get a return on their investment. A great example is the new Aldi store currently under construction near the Rite Aid location. Aldi has been studying the feasibility of opening a store in Yucca Valley for more than eight years. However, the timing was not right for them until this year. In their assessment of the local business climate and prospects, they decided to pull the trigger and get started in Yucca Valley. If you're not familiar with Aldi grocery stores, it is a chain of about 1,600 stores nationwide that focus on a smaller footprint grocery option. Their opening is targeted for late summer or fall of this year and will create new shopping options as well as more employment opportunities for local residents. If you haven't been to the High Desert Nature Museum lately, drop what you're doing and go pay them a visit. It is seriously time well spent with the permanent and special exhibitions, live desert creatures, programs, and special events. I stopped in over the weekend to tour the 2022 edition of the annual Reduce, Reuse, and Recycle Art Exhibit. It is amazing what can be done with found items. The 26 local artists have really outdone themselves. They have created impressive art and sculptures using recycled and repurposed items under the theme of The Desert is a Vast Land, Not a Wasteland. 
It is truly inspiring to tour the exhibition and to get a sense of the importance of keeping our desert free of trash. The recycled art exhibit will be up through May 7th. You'll be glad you went. The museum is back to their pre-COVID operating hours of 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. You can visit the museum website, www.highdesertnaturemuseum.org, for updates that will help you plan your next museum visit. Moving right into our seven-minute chat, you may have noticed a lot of signs popping up around town announcing Grubstake Days in Yucca Valley. This is a long-time tradition held on Memorial Day weekend, the last weekend in May, celebrating the very early days of our town. I have asked Wanda Statham, the President and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, to join us and shed some light on the past, present, and future of Grubstake Days. Wanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. I'm happy to be here. First question. How long has Yucca Valley been celebrating Grubstake Days? Well, the Chamber of Commerce incorporated in 1951, and that was the first year that they had the official Grubstake Days held in April. Great. So that's what, 71 years as I uh, do the math? Correct. Okay. It seems like I should know this, but what is a Grubstake, and how did Grubstake Days get started in the first place? Well, a Grubstake is our supplies or funds that are furnished to a mining prospector on the promise of a share of his discoveries. And the uh, Yucca Valley Chamber of Commerce sponsored a community celebration for the California Mining Journal folks, J.P. Hall, he was the publisher of that journal, and a Yucca Valley property owner, which we don't know the name of, we made arrangements with the California Mining Council to hold its first annual meeting here. Great. So we're celebrating the heritage, the mining heritage of, of Yucca Valley with Grubstake Days. Correct. The Chamber of Commerce was under the leadership of Jules Boldazar, and he went into action to create a town celebration, which would be held in the honor of the California Mining Council and all these visiting miners. And uh, things have changed over the years. I'm sure you've heard from some of the people who have been here for a while that they remember Grubstake Days being different in the past. What is it that they remember so fondly about previous Grubstake Days celebrations? Well, you know, I tried to really put that my thinking cap on that. And what I have come up with is nostalgia plays a big part of why don't we do it like we did it in the old days? Yucca Valley incorporated in 1991, and so that was 40 years after the very first Grubstake days. And during those 40 years, we did a lot of things that were a lot of fun together with camaraderie. We didn't have social medias in that, those days. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have internet. People loved going someplace, meet face-to-face, -face, and, and volunteer and do things in groups. And for some reason, ever since the advent of our new uh, superhighway on the internet, we don't tend to get the same amount of people that want to participate in the events as they did 40 years ago. But it's still fun. And let me ask you this. What challenges have you noticed since you have been the key organizer of Grubstake Days? Well, the biggest first challenge is getting the dollars together to put together a Grubstake Days, finding sponsors, and we thank the town of Yucca Valley gratefully for being our major sponsor in this event. We also need responsible volunteers, the people that come when they say they're going to come, show up when they say they would show up. And these days, people tend to have things that get in the way of 
being volunteers. So those two things right up front are the toughest things to do for Grub State Days. And I want to thank the Certified Emergency Response Team, the Citizens Patrol, and the Sheriff's Department for always being there for us and being those responsible volunteers to run a safe and good parade for us each year. Finding the perfect place to have fairgrounds is another big issue and a challenge, and also finding a place to do our hometown parade. Speaking of the parade, we have a lot more traffic than we used to have, yeah. and we have median islands uh, that kind of make you have to rethink what you do with the parade. So how have you uh, adjusted for that? Well, we think we've solved the problem for this year. We're going to give it a try. We're going to have an old town parade in Old Town. It'll be the same route that's run in the evening for the Old Town Light Parade. It will be the same route that starts at Deer Trail and will go east to Inca. And we've only shortened it four-tenths of a mile, so it's going to be a lot easier for young people to walk. We'll also be able to have a lot of safe parking where people can walk to the parade route, set up their chairs, set up their tables and, and their fun things to do, and they won't interfere with Highway 62, which will have Memorial Day traffic as usual, probably a little heavier than before. The uh, California Highway Patrol is very thrilled that we're not closing the highway this year. Now they can maintain safe travel on Highway 62 during our Memorial Day weekend for our visitors and our local people as well. Okay, so Santa Fe Trail, which is only one block off of the highway at the west end Correct. of town. Okay, so tell us what we're going to get to see and get to do this coming Memorial Day weekend with the 2022 edition of Grubstake Days. We have a kickoff mixer coming up. That's going to be a wonderful event, May 26th, hosted by Pacific Western Bank in their beautifully newly remodeled location. We have a golf tournament that'll kick off on uh, Friday at Hawks Landing. Uh, we're even sponsoring a hole-in-one car this year from Yucca Chrysler, which is really great. The very next day, the very next morning, is our hometown hero parade, which will be on Santa Fe Trail, starting at Deer Trail and going west to Inca. So people can come down and get ready for the parade. It starts at 10 o'clock. Also, people who want to be in the parade, if you can walk it, push it, pull it, ride it or run with it, you can be in the parade. You got a bicycle, you got a wagon, come on down, decorate it red, white, and blue to honor our hometown heroes. That's the theme of this year's parade. We also have a really exciting Kids Day coming up on Monday, May 30th, where there'll be water games and crafts with Yucca Valley High School National Honor Society. There's a talent show to, uh, to select a little miss and little Mr. Minor. You're invited to come and watch. It'll be all free. Everything's free. Talent show starts at 1230. The whole day starts at 10 for the kids and isn't over till 4 o'clock. We have a Pony Express ride ready to run down Main Street with postcards that are being collected right now at the chamber office. We have free postage, free postcards. You address it to yourself, and the Pony Express will write it to the post office. It will be canceled with a commemorative cancellation stamp, and then that stamp will be destroyed on June 30th, which makes your postcard that you receive back in the mail a collectible piece. The Friends of Pioneer Town are going to be putting on a cookie bake-off up there. Lots of exciting things are going to be happening up in Pioneer Town. That's on Sunday, May 29th. And of course, we've got the beard contest. We've got the horseshoe tournament. We have the 10K, 5K, 2K health walk. 
All these events are at yuccavalley.org. And you'll find all the bars to click on, all the forms to fill out are all ready for you to download and fill out and bring to the chamber or mail in or give me a call and let me know you want to be in it and I will fill out the forms for you. Well, Wanda, we appreciate your enthusiasm for Grubstake Days and your dedication to keeping this tradition alive. And that's about all the time that we have, but I want to thank you for joining us today. And thank you for all your hard work to organize the events of Grubstake Days in Yucca Valley. We look forward to participating in many of these events this year. Thank you so much, Jim. Time for our shout out. It's really hard to narrow this one down, but this week's shout out focuses on the youth sports we have going on in Yucca Valley right now. Everyone knows that it's been a couple of years since these programs were in full swing, but a trip over to the Brim Youth Sports Park tells us that we are back. Tri-Valley Little League has kicked off their season. Nearly 500 players were on hand for the opening ceremonies and league play is now underway. Then look across the street and you'll see hundreds of soccer players from the Morongo Basin Youth Soccer Association all over the fields for practice and game. And that's not all. The spring season of Miracle League, a spirited program of modified baseball for players with disabilities, is underway at Brem Park as well. We love to see all of the players who are out of the house and on the field playing sports again this spring. And none of it could happen without the dedication of so many volunteer coaches, board members, umpires, referees, snack bar attendants, and other helpers who freely give their time and talents for these programs. We applaud you all. It's great to see everyone back out there. Before we go, I want to take a look into our mailbag where we take the opportunity to answer your questions that you have recently sent to the podcast or to town hall. If you want to send in a question, just email it to me at jschooler at yucca-valley.org, or you can also look up my email address on the town website. This week's question is one that is on everyone's mind. Is the highway repaving project done yet? Well, this one sort of has a good news, bad news answer. The good news is that the project is providing long-awaited and much-needed maintenance for our state highway throughout the Morongo Basin. More good news is that the traffic signals are now back to working properly. But some challenges remain. The project is not yet complete, but Caltrans is back on the job finishing up the last segments of the highway. Remember that this is not a town project. Caltrans is in charge of all the planning and construction, but the town is taking a more active role to predict and mitigate the impact on local traffic. This is especially important at the west end of town where there are no alternative routes available to enter or exit Yucca Valley. Stay linked to the town's Facebook and Twitter feeds for special project updates over the next couple of months. The Yucca Valley portion of the project is scheduled for completion by summer. Well, that's it for this episode of Yucca Valley Plugged In. I want to thank Wanda Statham of the Yucca Valley Chamber of Commerce for joining us today and wish her and her board of directors all the best as they present Grubstake Days 2022 on Memorial Day weekend. We will be back in a couple of weeks with another town update on Yucca Valley Plugged In. Yucca Valley Plugged In is a podcast produced and presented by the town of Yucca Valley. Your feedback, questions, or suggestions regarding future episodes can be emailed to comrelations at yucca-valley.org. For more information about the town of Yucca Valley, be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website, www.yucca-valley.org.